The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Planetary Radio is public radio's only weekly series about space exploration. I'm Matt Kaplan, and I hope you'll join me as we explore Mars, look for life in the universe, and fly through the rings of Saturn. We'll talk with the men and women, scientists and dreamers who are guiding us to a future beyond Earth. And don't forget to enter our weekly space trivia contest. That's Planetary Radio, Mondays at 5.30 p.m., right here on KUCI. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm this show's engineer, and Mari's your host. You can learn more about our guests and other shows at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. If you don't know our host, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a local attorney and author of several books, including her two new books, Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She's testified many times in the California legislature and U.S. Congress and hosted her own 90-minute PBS special, they still air from time to time, called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. She's been featured on 48 Hours, Dateline, CNN, O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows. Well, let's get started. You know, we've talked a lot about the dangers and the dark side of the Internet, but today we have an expert on the Internet and how to be safe on the Internet. The exciting thing for me is that we have an Orange County expert. Many times we're speaking to people all across the country, and here we are lucky enough to have a real live expert right here in Orange County. So I will introduce my guest who is Suzanne Stanford. She has an extensive background in the Internet safety education business. From 1999 to 2004, Suzanne focused her time and her awareness on awareness uh, raising to the members of Congress for the need of Internet safety education in schools from K through 12. She has catapulted a nonprofit Internet safety education foundation called I Safe America into an $11.5 million federally funded, nationally recognized entity. She's worked uh, with federal and local elected representatives and school uh, teachers, state attorney generals, law enforcement, etc. And she's developed and planned and coordinated the launch of a K-12 school and community-based internet safety education program in all 50 states. And she's acquired federal funding for the inclusion of the program on the U.S. military-based schools worldwide. Now, in 2002, she was awarded the Internet Safety in America's Youth Congressional Merit Award. She's gotten lots of awards. She speaks all over the country, and she is also um, Vice President for Internet Safety for Children's Education Network.com. She also is the CEO of her own company, and you can find out more about her and get lots of free information at myinternetsafetycoach.com. So we're thrilled to have you with us. Good evening, Suzanne. Good evening. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. It's, it's wonderful to have an expert here. Now, you were on the campus of the University of California, so we have a lot of people who use a lot of the social networking. They have since high school, and they're continuing to do it. 
tell us about what is, for those people who are driving by, what is the social networking all about? Well, social, social networking sites are sites that teens and young adults frequent so that they can meet friends online, so they can also keep in touch with all of their other friends uh, in real time, basically. And many times they like to post their pictures and chat. And so that's basically what a social networking site is. Okay, so we know some of them, MySpace. I know my kids have been on MySpace. I know Lloyd's on MySpace. Mm-hmm. KUCI is on MySpace.com. Right. Then there's Friendsters, Facebook, Zanga.com. And um, you talk about the LJ, which is LiveJournal.com. What's the difference in any of these? And, and are there any that are safer than others? Well, no, not particularly. Um, with uh, Facebook, you have to be an invited guest. So you have to be invited by somebody to be on. That's the difference there. Um, and with LiveJournal, that is like an online diary site. So you're journaling um, what your experiences have been and, and that sort of thing. Uh, typically, that is with friends you already have in the real world. Right. Is that how they found the stuff about some of these kids, like the Columbine students that had written these online journals? Is that the kind of stuff? Yeah. That, oh, that's... But that. also, kids that, and when I say kids, I mean teens and young adults, uh, being a mom myself, Right. right. Um, is often the, um, the kids that have the live journal postings also are users of the other social networking sites, primarily MySpace. Like, for example, MySpace has an excess um, of 106 million online users. Wow, and it's still growing, I'm sure. And it's still growing. In fact, on my website, I had done, uh, just for my own edification and for some of my readers, I had done um, a daily tally um, of what the population was on one day and then the next day, and the next day. And on average, uh, MySpace was growing anywhere from 230,000 to 270,000 new users per day. Oh, incredible. Yeah, now, these people exploding. can be from, it's not just the United States, it's anywhere, right? Anywhere in right, the world? Right, anywhere in the world. And then the, in the United Kingdom, they have launched um, a social networking site called Bebo, and that's gaining a lot of popularity, and they're, uh, their model is similar to MySpace. So they're competing with MySpace, I think, for eyeballs. So tell me, what are th- what is the dark side of MySpace? These kids love it. You, you, as a parent, you're not going to be able to tell your kids you are not allowed on there because they're going to get on there one way or another. Right. So what are the dangers, and what can we do about them? Well, the biggest danger, I guess, is making friends and arranging meetings with those friends that, that you haven't met in the real world. Um, offline. And by offline, I mean in the real world. That's how we refer to the real world as offline. Um, And you open yourself up to um, a lot of liability in terms of if these kids post inappropriate content or risque pictures, and in some cases they're uh, pornographic pictures, but if they post risque pictures, let's say they have a silly picture, and let's say it's a girl wearing short shorts that is, you know, commonly worn during the summer, and she's wearing short shorts, and maybe she's holding a red, um, one of those plastic red solo cups. Yeah. And let's say it just has lemonade in it. And let's say she's leaning on um, 
a boyfriend of hers. And they're just goofing around, totally innocent. How that picture would be perceived by law enforcement and by college admission officers, et cetera, is that she's probably drunk. Right. Because whatever is inside that cup is perceived to be alcohol. Right. And so the perception of the photograph or the image on the on the web page it becomes reality, whether or not it is or not. Right. And, and so that's a danger. And how about when they put up something like a, maybe they take a picture of themselves with um, like a school logo and, and they put their phone number on or something. How easy is it for some predator? Very easy. Yeah. Oh, totally easy. In fact, they don't even have to have the school logo. All they have to do, let me give you a scenario. Let's say we've got a girl and her name is Debbie. And Debbie posts um, her journal on Live Journal, and she talks about um, how she's a cheerleader and how uh, they just finished this game with, I don't know, the Cougars. Uh-huh. And it was last Friday night, and, and you can tell when exactly it was by her posting when she refers to last Friday night. Right. And she talks about her different friends, and uh, then she goes on her MySpace account. And she doesn't put down what school she belongs to, but we already know if we, if we had read the live journal account that her mascot's the Cougars. We know she's a cheerleader. And then on her MySpace account, she talks about, um, let's say her screen name is Surf Babe 13 Right. Well, what that tells us is that she lives at the beach, she's a girl, and she's 13 years old. Right. So now we're getting into the issue of appropriate screen names that don't identify you. Uh, And keeping in mind that one-third of the victims, the the kid victims, are boys. So it's not just exclusive to girls. Right. Um, So so let's go back to this information. So with, uh, you know, these little tidbits of information where you can piece it together, uh and then if she happens to give call me on this phone, if they do a reverse directory, then they can actually find out where she lives, and some predator who she thinks is really a 17-year-old boy... Could be a 45-year-old guy. Yeah. With a past, who's a felon. Additionally, let's say um, that person gets the address. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, now all they have to do is go to Google Earth. They go to Google Earth, they plug in their address, her address, and they get 3D driving directions to her house. Right, right. Or to her school. And they can also go, yeah, they can even zoom in, can't Uh they, and see the house that she lives in. Absolutely. And the school, and I say the school because let's say they don't go to the house. Let's say they hang out at the school. They know she's a cheerleader. They could show up at cheerleading practice. Right. And they could um, get Pick the her up the instead land. of her parents picking her up. That's right. Or they see that she walks home. Right. So yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's see, it used to be where sexual predators hung out in playgrounds pretty much, and they were lurking. Now uh, the Internet has become a predator's playground, and they hide behind the anonymity of the internet, so it's that much more dangerous. Exactly, because no one knows who they are. You know, and not only that, they're not all sleazy. Like when I talk to um, students, I ask them to describe what a predator looks like, and they still are under the myth that it's some low-life guy hiding, you know, in the shadows. Right. When in effect, as we've seen by Dateline's to catch a predator, 
and they did an amazing job on illustrating this, that predators come from all walks of life and all ages. They can even be teenagers. Hmm. Yeah, right. So what, what do you suggest? What do you suggest for, for, you talk about, you told me before when we were talking earlier about a, having a private account. How does that work? Well, how that works is um, if, I mean, first off, let's, let's back up, and, and I want to make sure that our listeners know that I still am a great fan and will always be of the Internet. I mean, this is our world. Right. And I don't want people to be fearful that everybody who's on the Internet, that their kids may make friends with online as a predator. That's not true. Right, right. Um, many of them are kids. But what we need to do is we need to empower our kids and our adults with the strategies needed to be safe online from victimization. And unlike when they were, um, you know, little kids and, if, and, if, and you teach your, your small child how to cross the street and look at the various traffic lights, and they know that by the time they're old enough to cross the street that they don't cross on red. You know, they have to look both ways before they cross the street. Right, right. Well, many of our kids in today's environment don't have that sensibility of safety online. They're still very trusting. Right. And so that's why it's so important to empower computer users with um, that gut feeling in their stomach that something may not be quite right. You know, yeah, we can't take a technology and put it back in Pandora's box. We just can't do it. I mean, it's there. We need to learn. The one thing that I think it's happening so quickly is that the safeguards are not built in as quickly as the technology is running away with it. And that's really what we need to be doing is saying, okay, I thought that was a great analogy of crossing the street. That's a dangerous thing to do, to have to cross the street. But if you know what to do, you can do it safely. Safely. And, And that's what this is all about. Enjoy the Internet safely and know the strategies on how to be safe. And if you think you're in over your head or if you think that you're in trouble or if you think you're being victimized, know how to contact either law enforcement or in the case of of threats or bullying or abduction or near abduction or some bozo wanting to meet you offline, know um, you know how to contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Kids, which is 1-800-THE-LOST. Okay, um, 1-800-THE-LOST. The yes, lost. I, yeah, I know. We, we also, in the second hour, we're going to be talking to uh, NetSmart, so they, they uh, will be able to help you as well. Let's go back to getting on with a private account. Please tell me what that is. How okay, does that work? Okay, what that is is you can either have a public account or a private account on MySpace. And so you select that you have a private account. Now, that doesn't mean to say that because you have a private account that some stranger can't contact you. What it does mean is that they cannot contact you through your web page, but they can see a list of your friends because your profile is visible to anybody, anybody. And what users need to realize is that there is no privacy on the Internet. For example, with LiveJournal, even though it's like an online diary with your friends, it's not private. So if kids say they don't want their parents reading their LiveJournal entries, that's ridiculous because if strangers can read them, then parents can read them. And conversely, if they're on a MySpace page and they create a MySpace page, that's like putting a billboard of all of that information out 
to the world. It's like having one giant billboard that the entire world and all of its, the entire population of the planet can see. There is no privacy. And furthermore, whatever kids put up there is there in perpetuity. So if they put up a risque photograph or if other kids want to um, make them crazy and by doing that they morph a picture of them to make it look inappropriate, that's up there for the world to see. If a kid puts a sexually provocative picture up there, it's there for the world to see. And furthermore, pedophiles can download those pictures and can sell them for profit. Right. So there's also that. And now, also they can say things, too, Suzanne, that, they, that they'd that they be really sorry for later, right? I mean, oh, they can absolutely. talk about drugs or what they did last night or absolutely. how they were wild or got in trouble or something like that that can come back to bite them when they want to apply for college, when mm-hmm. they want to get a job. For oh, speaking s- of that, yeah. I was on Capitol Hill um, not too long ago, and I was speaking to some staff members about this very thing. And, you know... Teenagers spend so many hours of hard work preparing so that they have the right grades, so they can get into the college university of their choice, so that they can realize their dreams, aspirations, and goals. And in one fell swoop, all of that can go away. There were a number of interns that were hired by members of Congress, both on the, on the Senate side and on the House of Representatives side who lost their jobs after their parents had already paid for them to set up an apartment and and they were all settled and they were supposed to start work on Monday, but the Wednesday before they lost their job, but the Thursday before they lost their job because then that office did their due diligence and they checked to see if these new hires had MySpace pages. And unfortunately for these few individuals, Um, they were fired because of inappropriate content. Right, and I think that's the scary thing, because when kids, and and college students too, when they're in there and they're having a good time and they're really, you know, with their peers, enjoying each other, and they just start talking, they don't realize that this is out there for the world to see, and that'll be for the rest of their lives, and how to get rid of it, forget it. It will never leave them. It will follow them, and and let's say they they want to run for a public office. Oh, yeah. That can, that can follow them forever. Now, additionally, um, besides losing jobs and besides losing, let's say they got a scholarship to university, that can go away. Or let's say they're in a university, they could be disciplined for conduct unbecoming of, of a student of that university. And I'm thinking about here, you know, on the university campus, and I know all these people have MySpace, and I know that they get carried away. Or what if they're doing it while they're, you know, on, if they've been drinking? Mm-hmm. And they say something ridiculous on there. You know, they're going to have to pay for that for the rest of their lives, perhaps. Now, there's another aspect. Let's say they've been drinking, and let's say one of their friends takes a, a picture of them from their cell phone, and they post it on their MySpace page. There's that aspect also. And when you talk about MySpace in particular, and I know that seems to be the buzzword these days, um, across the country uh, as it pertains to safety. MySpace, and a lot of people don't realize this, MySpace, in your user agreement that you click accept to, they own all the content in perpetuity that's on their web page. 
MySpace owns it. Right. So so what is it they have? How are they using it? Do people know how they're using it? Do they well, say yeah, on their... I'm guessing that they're... See, MySpace, in all of the um, dark side of MySpace, there's a bright side to MySpace besides the fact that it's a wonderful destination point for uh, new bands and music and, and all sorts of great entertainment value. Uh, there's great entertainment value on that site. But the high spot of uh, MySpace is that MySpace works um, daily with law enforcement. Right. And so that content that's posted um, is given up to law enforcement to crush crime. And they have done a wonderful job with that. I mean, there have been copycat Columbine plans that have been foiled as a result of those kids posting or bragging um, about those crimes on MySpace, and law enforcement was able to get in and thwart that before anything happened. Right. But tell me something. Is is there transparency? In other words, is there privacy policy if the kids ever raise it? Is it very clear that what that they put up there is really accessible to law enforcement? I mean, do people really know this? I would say that they do because um, it's been in the news a number of, I mean, countless occasions actually. Right that the information was uh, received from MySpace. Um, and that brings us to another point, which is read your user agreements. Right. I know that they're pages and pages long, but it's in the user agreement that you click accept to. Right, and your privacy policy, it always has to have a privacy policy at the bottom of the page. So exactly. Now, here's the up. other thing about MySpace, is that <clears throat> since they've tightened their safety controls, Right. Um, they have, <clears throat> pardon me, they have um, an area at the bottom of every page, on every MySpace page, that the user can click onto if they need help. So that's a new thing that they've included. So there's that. And also, it's important to note when we were talking about having a private account, that while um, a stranger can't contact, the user who has a private account, they can contact them by going through uh, one of their friends' account, you know, friends' pages to get to them. Now, if they do, and if a user is contacted by somebody that they have that they don't know or they have no intention of communicating with, then they need to block them and delete them. And you know, I talked to my daughter, who's a teenager and who has a MySpace account, uh, before this program, and I asked her. I said, "Well, how many times?" Do you, you know, because she has a private account. I said, how many times do you get contacted? She says, not that often. But she says, me and my friends all know that if we're contacted by anybody we don't want to talk to, we just delete them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I think that that message is, is getting out. But for those parents whose kids um, are preteens or they're new to MySpace, it's important for them to know that as well. Okay, so if, if there is a, is there a way, and how should I, if I have a child that I think is on MySpace and, I, and I'm not real uh, techie, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, we found our kids on MySpace, and then my husband started his own up there. But what do, what do you do if you're a parent? How do you find out if your child has a profile, besides asking them? Let's say they don't want to tell you. So how would you find out besides asking them? Well, that's a good question. It's, a, it's kind of difficult. But there is a way um, to get in there and uh, to find out. Uh, but 
Do you have to get your own, do you have to set up your own first to get in there? Is that what you basically do? Well, first off, here's what you do. You see if they're using their full name, address, and phone number and photos of themselves and the name of their school, provocative comments, blogs, etc. And you do a search. So you can set up your own MySpace account. And what you should do is you should um, say that you're that age of your child because the content for adults is different than the content for teens that's, that's built in. Uh-huh. Um, and predators know that, by the way. Oh, so they all, they all have to pretend that they're 16 years old or whatever. That's right. Okay. Um, and so then they, they search for them. So you can search for your child. Mm-hmm. So what if you what if you find out that there are things on there that um, are really disturbing for you? Well, if for example, if you want to block your child from going to MySpace, right? Um, first, you check with your internet service provider to see what parental control programs they offer, and then so like for example, AOL and MSN. They can block access to social networking websites or any sites that, that you don't think um, are appropriate for your family. And then there's other parental um, control software programs that you can purchase. Um, they're called key logging software programs. And what, you do, what those programs do is they record every website with passwords and everything that your child um, uses and goes to. And that can even be sent to a remote location. So let's say you're at work and you think that your child um, is on sites that are inappropriate or, or maybe um, they fit the profile of a child who may be in trouble on the Internet and who may be in the process of being groomed by a predator. Uh, and one of the telltale signs of that is that they're always on the Internet and especially at night like maybe after the family's gone to bed and they're very secretive about what's on their um, laptop or their desktop. And that being said, the computer should be in a high-traffic area in the house. But if it's not, and I know a lot of families have laptops for their kids, and of course their kids go in the bedroom, Right. Um, you need to be diligent as to where your kids are going. You need to have an open conversation with them and find out who is it that they're talking to and ask them questions about the screen names. Right. And uh, periodically check that out. But the key logging software programs will do that for you. So let's say you're at work and you don't want your child to know that uh, basically you're spying on them. Um, Then that information will be sent uh, to your computer at work so your kids won't know. Now, I must caution parents that, in my opinion, I think that it's dangerous to immediately, just as a precautionary measure, um, get a key logging software program. And the reason being is that if your kids ever find out that that's what you're doing, they'll you'll nev- lose their trust. Right, exactly. Well, but we if you're fearful of your child's safety, right. then absolutely. As safety comes first. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple minutes left, actually two minutes, so just tell me real quickly um, what What's going on with the Deleting Online Predators Act of 2006, which is in Congress? And then, and then after that, just uh, give us your website so we can learn more. Okay. Well, the Deleting Online Predators Act of 2006 um, will be coming up for a vote, and there's, there's lots of issues within that um, bill that they need to discuss. But basically, 
It's an effort to prevent minors from viewing child pornography, and the bill would bar minors from accessing a social networking site, and that is defined as one that allows users to create web pages or profiles that mm. that uh, provide information about themselves and are available to other users, uh, and or offers a mechanism uh, for communication with other users, such as you know a forum, a chat room, or email or instant messaging, that sort of thing. Um, so they're basically trying to outlaw MySpace and those. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but they're also trying to prevent it from being accessed from libraries. I see. So I if see. a child wants to go to a library because they can't use their home computer, uh, they don't want that to happen. Additionally, I think it's important to note that parents need to be very diligent when they get their um, child what they call pocket PCs. Right. And these are cell phones that also have Internet capability, that also have cameras attached to them and sometimes um, live streaming video. So, for example, I have an MDA by T-Mobile. That basically um, allows me to take a video, to take pictures, and then to put it up on the net. Right. So that's kind of dangerous. Well, we've got, we've got, don't have any more time left. Oh. So, so but I, I want to make sure that, so people can go and find out about this and ask you questions at your website so they can go to myinternetsafetycoach.com and there they can ask you questions, Suzanne? Absolutely. And they can also contact me um, at kidsafe.com. Suzanne at kidsafe.com. Okay. Uh, and that would be the Children's Educational Network site. And by the way, for those parents that would like a free parent and child safe browser, they can go to the Children's Educational Network.com and they can get that for free so that they can access over 10,500 safe and secure websites within a closed environment. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Suzanne, and we will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Suzanne Stanford, an Internet safety expert right here in Orange County, and you can go to her website at myinternetsafetycoach.com, and you can see a lot more information, and also go to kidsafe.com. And we will be back in a second with our other guest. Mari, so now we have another guest. Why don't you tell us about her? Yes, we have a fabulous guest coming to us from Washington, D.C., and her name is Amber Lindsay. She is the communications coordinator for the NetSmarts Workshop. Ms. Lindsay works with educators, law enforcement, community leaders, and the media to implement NetSmarts into schools and communities across the country. The NetSmart Workshop is an interactive educational safety resource from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And it also includes the Boys and Girls Club of America. It uses appropriate 3D activities to teach children and teens how to be safer when they're using the, net, the Internet. NetSmarts is available for free to the public at www.netsmarts.org and www.netsmartskids.org. You know, I told you that when I went to the sheriff's program, I actually sat in and got to see how this thing works, and I was so excited that I, I called NetSmarts and asked them to send me the best person they could to tell us about the program, and that's who we have tonight. That's Amber. Amber, thank you for joining us from the East Coast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Now, tell us a little bit more about NetSmarts and what your activities are. 
Sure. You know, the NetSmarts program really tries, we don't want to scare kids and we don't want to scare parents, and we want them to appreciate all the wonderful things that are available to them on the Internet. But we also want them to know about the potential risks associated with using the Internet. And so, like you said, NetSmarts uses um, empowering ways to teach kids about how to recognize potential dangers online. We have resources for um, parents that they can take home, such as um, reports or statistics, or we just uh, released 10 new videos. They're two- to three-minute videos with Dr. Sharon Cooper, who's a forensic pediatrician, who goes step-by-step through educating parents about some of the risks of Internet use that their children may encounter, such as online pornography or online gaming or sexual solicitation to just give them a background on it and how they can work with their kids to make sure that they don't encounter these problems, and if they do, how to appropriately address them. So how do do they get these videos? They are available on the website at netsmarts.org. There's actually a Parents tab there that they can click on, and the Dr. Sharon videos are there. But there's also um, resources available for educators so that they can also try to educate the kids at school. So hopefully the kids are getting this information from a variety of resources. And we offer educators videos or vignettes that talk to kids about the online dangers. For the younger kids, it's through animation. And for the teens and tween age, we use real-life victim stories. So it's the victim the teen victim's story from their own mouth. It's somewhat sanitized, so it's not explicit in any nature, but it talks about the repercussions of irresponsible behaviors on the Internet, and all of these resources are available free on the website. You know, Amber, I saw some of those videos. They were fantastic. You wanted to, I think it it actually touched my heart and was very, um, very emotional. One of the ones that you did for the teens. Can you tell one of the stories? I think that will make a lot of sense to our listeners. Absolutely. One of the more recent pieces we did was um, Julie's Journey, and it's about a young teenage girl who was on the Internet and she started talking to an older man. He was 56 years old, and they established a relationship. She actually knew this gentleman um, from church and um, started emailing back and forth with him. And it initially, it had, you know, it wasn't a romantic relationship at all. But these predators really target young girls and boys and groom them. And he groomed her so that she was very connected to him. They were instant messaging three to six hours a day and um, eventually he convinced her to run away she kissed her brothers and sisters goodbye that night it it describes it in the video and she ran away with him and three weeks later they discovered the two of them in his pickup truck but it's interesting when teens are able to actually hear this from other teens you can tell in her voice when you watch this that she the connection she had with him in the movie it talks about how he wrote her a letter from prison saying that if he ever got out, he would kill her. Oh, dear. And she was more concerned with the fact that he hadn't said he loved her than the fact that he was threatening to harm her. And it just goes to demonstrate to teens that they think they're smart right now or they think they're not vulnerable to these things, but once they establish that relationship with them, nothing else is more important. Right. Now, with some of your videos that can be shown at school, how do the teachers get these videos? 
Do you know there is an educators page on the website, so they can be shown. You can have your kids on the computer watching these in the classroom, or you can download them into a presentation and show them to your kids that way too. But um, the the videos, so they are available on the website. And like I said, the younger ones are in animation, and they talk about rules for online safety that you always tell a trusted adult when you're going on the Internet, that you never meet with someone that in person that you first met online, that you always tell a trusted adult if anything makes you feel scared, uncomfortable, or confused. So they're very basic topics. Um, and they're kind of told in a fun way. And we encourage teachers to reinforce these messages with what we call activity cards, which are basically a suggested lesson plan to reinforce these. But we also talk about other varieties of um, information that kids may stumble across on the Internet, like hate or racist websites or information about drugs or making bombs or things like viruses, how to protect against viruses or how to protect your password. So there are a variety of topics that we address. You have such a fabulous program. How? What kind of outreach are you doing so parents know about this? I mean, obviously you're on our radio show, which we appreciate, and hopefully Orange County parents will hear about this and, and the kids and, and obviously our university students. But uh, wh what are you doing um, to get this message out so that school districts know about this and uh, parents can tap into it? Certainly. Um, the NetSmarts Workshop is a program of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And um, Attorney General Gonzalez just put out his Project Safe Childhood initiative calling on each um, state attorney general to implement an Internet safety program. And many of them are using NetSmarts to put that out into each of their communities. We've also worked with the State Department of Education in 15 states so far and also partnered with the, their attorney generals to disseminate this into the classroom. The National Center's also partnered with the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, and they've all been trained and given presentations to take into the communities and go into schools. You know, there's a variety of other like corporate partners that we've partnered with to try to get the information out. So we're wanting to make sure that communities and kids alike are getting the information about the need for Internet safety prevention education. Right. And isn't this beginning, you know, don't you have something to do with John Walsh as well? Absolutely. When John Walsh's son was abducted, um, they couldn't find any resources for parents of missing children. So he and his wife, Renee Walsh, um, established um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And so he still is involved. Um, we recently did a partnership with um, Cox Communications. And so John Walsh has been going to different elementary schools and presenting the Internet Safety Program. He's also working with SafeSide, which puts out um, children's safety movies, and we've partnered so that John Walsh is on these movies with Clicky, who's the spokes robot of the NetSmarts workshop. So he still is intimately involved with um, Internet safety and the safety of children. You know, I'll tell you, Amber, when I saw those videos, they were so cute. Clicky, and you had little names and these little cartoon characters. It, it is really terrific, and I'm, I'm hoping that educators who are listening to this as they're driving by will will tap into it. Let's, let's continually give your website where they can get this. T tell us where the educators can get this again. Sure. The educators can access this at the netsmarts.org website, and that's netsmarts with a Z. Okay, N-E-T-Z. 
N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z. I'm sorry. No, yes. you're fine. <laughs> Say that again. N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z. Dot org, correct? Yep. Okay. That's correct. And so what are, let's talk about, as people are driving by, just to make sure that they hear this, what kinds of things do you tell parents, and obviously even university students or even adults, how, what are some of the tips that you give to stay safe online? Sure. With, you know, with the recent buzz of social networking sites, we get a lot of parents coming to us and young teens or young adults wanting to know how to protect their information online. And that's the biggest um, risk that we see are people giving out their personal information. And it's kind of educating themselves on what exactly is your personal information. It's not just your name, your age, or your location. But it is, you know, posting pictures that have identifiers on you, such as, you know, a sports uniform. We recently had a case come through the National Center where a young girl had her sports uniform on, and she was actually posted on with all of her young teammates. She was smart and hadn't put their names or locations on there, but a predator was able to identify her by the school name and the school mascot and was able to find when the next game was and showed up and victimized this young girl. So it's all about education and becoming aware of what information you're actually giving out. You know, parents are are often not even really aware what their children are doing online or on their computers. The kids go in their rooms and they go and they start studying. And I know one of the things you talked about with me before was the danger of webcams. Can you explain what's going on with these webcams? Absolutely. You know, webcams are such a cheap and easy tool right now. Oftentimes they come free with the purchase of a computer, and there are some great bonuses. Um, Parents and kids alike can communicate with friends and relatives across the world, but the unfortunate thing are oftentimes children are creating their own child pornography or are becoming victimized through the use of these webcams. For instance, a child is contacted by someone and um, is asked to, you know, take a simple picture that to them may seem strange and not too off-color, and so they take it and they continue this, and oftentimes they're used as blackmail of, I'll tell your mom that you took this picture unless you take one that's, you know, exposes them more or is more provocative until they reach a point where they've realized they are backed in, into a corner where they don't want to go and tell their parent that they're involved in this relationship or have been taking these pictures because they don't want to get in trouble and not realizing that their risk, that their safety is at risk. So it is never to, you know, we really suggest that parents never allow a child to have the computer in their bedroom or a webcam in their bedroom. Or at least not be connected to the Internet if they do have one. Exactly. That it's always in the common area of a home where family members can be interacting together and you can kind of have an eye on what your child is doing. Now, what do you do in terms of teaching parents? You know, a lot of the elderly, elder parents don't know how to use the computers as well as their little ones do. So are there special classes for parents on how to look for these things since they themselves need some of that education? You know, that's actually an excellent question. We often find that there's this, you know, communication gap between kids and um, parents right now. Kids are receiving this technology training so much earlier in school that oftentimes 
um, their knowledge surpasses their parents. And it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes for parents to go and approach their kids and ask them about what they're using or even knowing the terminology to ask them about. So there, you know, that's kind of what the NetSmarts workshop does is trying to go into communities and educate them about these Internet terms, often parents aren't really aware of, you know, even what IM is, instant messaging or things like that. But on the website under the parent section, there's very basic explanations of what these things are, um, explanations of if your child does have a MySpace page up and you do want to take it down, what processes or what steps do you need to take in order to take that down? Right, because I think a lot of them don't even really know about you know, MySpace or Facebook or whatever. Right. Let's talk a little bit about this social networking. What, is, what does NetSmart say about all this social networking? Should parents be allowing their kids to do it, or how should they interact with their kids with regard to these social networks? Well, you know, the National Center... You know, there's a lot of great things that can happen with these sites. You, you, you have millions of people at your fingertips, but any time that a site allows kids and teens to share their personal information or adults alike, it does uh, pose potential risks. And you do need to educate yourself and your kids about those risks because it's a virtual hunting ground for predators. It's now they've created a menu where you go in and say your age preference or location preference or even interest preference. And you have millions of young kids and teens popping up and you can instantly start a conversation with them. You know, we tell parents... If your child was out every night in front of your house talking to a stranger and you were looking out your kitchen window, you bet you'd walk outside and say, you know, who's this you're talking to? Or ask them, you know, how do you know this person? It's the same thing when you have a child on the Internet. You are inviting these strangers not only to the outside of your house but into your home. And so it's really important for both parties to be aware of what the kids are doing and the risks involved. Now, how do you deal with the teenagers who are much more peer-oriented and they're not really going to listen to their parents? What kinds of things do you uh, suggest the parents do with them? It's a little bit different than the littler kids. Oh, it is, and it's kind of tricky. We recently held a summit where we, you know, questioned young teens about their Internet safety use, and, you know, teens were telling us that they had multiple, you know, social networking site pages on MySpace and Facebook and things like that. One that was clean that they would show their parents and then another one that they shared with their friends. There's, you know, a, a wide variety of resources that parents can use, whether it's filtering or blocking or software that will record um, the interactions their kids are having so you can go back and review them. And we really suggest going to the site getnetwise.org, where they've done the research for you, and you can kind of select according to what standards you want to have in your home. Do you want to have a lot of, you know, oversight of your kids or allow them a little freedom? You know, it's up to you, and you can select those. But also, on your your Internet provider, whether it's Google or MSN, in that search box, if you hit, you know where it says like images or videos up there where you go right. in to search something, if you hit more and then hit more again, there's a pop-up that comes on and it's a blog search. So parents can enter their child's name in parentheses 
and hopefully your child's name isn't John Smith, so you get a thousand entries, but that will search for your child's social networking profile anywhere, and so you can review it and um, then talk to your kid about their child about their internet safety use. Now, Amber, is that are those directions on netwise.org, or is that on the netsmarts.org? Those directions are on the netsmarts.org website. Okay, so what is it that we're going to find on Netwise? Is that going to tell us the software programs? That those are, there? are the different software programs, correct? And so they're they're um, now who is netwise.org? Are they affiliated with netsmarts.org? They are not. They are just an independent group, but we find that they give an unbiased, objective view and do the research so you can just have a wide variety of options available to you. You know, here in Orange County, the Orange County Sheriff Department in Orange County, California, has put together the Internet in Your Child, and so we have actual sheriff reserves from my high-tech crime unit, actually, who um, go out to high schools and go out and put on programs for parents yes. and, and sit them in front of a computer and show them, literally walk them through, because a lot of the parents are not even a quarter as savvy as these kids are. And so um, that's one of the things that we're doing. I don't know, are you partnering with other groups that are putting on programs specifically for parents on how to catch and get up to speed with the Internet? You know, we are working with them so that they can get out, you know, the Internet safety messages, yes. Okay, but but we're trying to help them to educate them exactly. on just how to even use it. It's hard to talk about right. safety when you don't even know what you're talking about, about the use. Absolutely. I want to introduce you again. We're speaking with Amber Lindsay, who's the Communications Coordinator for NetSmart's Workshop, which is part of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they have two fabulous websites, and one is netsmarts.org, and I'm going to spell that N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z.org, and netsmartskids.org, and that's N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z-K-I-D-S.org. Now, what's the difference between those two websites? Sure. You know, you can get to the NetSmarts Kids site from NetSmarts.org, but why we created the NetSmarts Kids site was that it is solely for kids, and there is no way for them to, you know, click back to any other site. It's a safer site. There's no advertising, and so we've just kind of created that solely for kids. Now, the NetSmart site has resources for parents, for educators, law enforcement, and teens. So we've separated that way so that hopefully it is a safer site for kids to go. There's games and videos, all different kinds of activities and songs that they can play with and also educate themselves. Well, you know, we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, and school has recently started a few weeks ago. And we have, you know, young freshmen and, and even sophomore juniors and seniors who are very much involved in the social networking. And a lot of the things that are you're talking about for, for younger kids and teens really apply to young adults and, and even people in my age. I mean, there's people who are on MySpace who are of all ages. Even this KUCI.org is on MySpace. So what are some recommendations that you have for keeping information private and, and doing other things to be safe online? Right. We always suggest not posting images on the computer of yourself and your friends. And if you do so, to not have any personal identifiers. Don't associate names with those 
or have clothing on that identifies you or your location. Others are don't post personal information. Don't put information as where you're going that weekend or where you're going to meet your friends. And just be aware of your surrounding, that knowing, not establishing relationships. Right now I was actually just reading an article that was in USA Today about the number of friends that people are accumulating on the Internet and how that is how people are establishing popularity. And not, you know, when you're on one of these social networking sites and you receive, you know, multiple emails from people throughout the day asking you to, you know, accept them as a friend, so-called friend. Um, But it's actually not a friend. You know, it's not like, you know, real-life friends will never be replaced by online friends because oftentimes you don't even know who that person is. And you should, you know, the number two rule that we always tell people is to never meet with someone in person that you've met online. And if you do decide to do that, to tell a trusted adult or to tell a friend where you're meeting and to meet in a public place. Right. And, you know, people sometimes are so crazy. They, they, they are so trusting. They give out their phone number or they give out their address or they give out where they go to school or some other thing where someone who, who really isn't who they say they are can, can meet them, even if they don't make a plan to meet them. You know, they can catch up with them. So, you know, like this, like that uh, New Yorker cartoon that I saw that has the two dogs and one dog is saying to the other dog, hey, on the Internet, no one knows you're a dog. And no one knows if you're 40 years old or 60 years old or 13 years old or whomever. Um, it's just it's a wonderful place, but it's a very dangerous place as well. It's like the Wild West. So let's say that a parent is listening and they think that their child is being victimized online. What are some of the steps that they should take? You know, to off, you know, obviously to talk to your child and to try to have that open dialogue about it, but there are resources available to parents. And the National Center has created what's called the Cyber Tip Line, and it's the 911 of the internet where anyone who suspects or has any evidence of any sort of Um, child exploitation that they can report it and you can report it at cybertipline.com or they can call 1-800-THE-LOST which is 1-800-843-5678 and the people at the National Center um, work with law enforcement to investigate each one of these tips that we receive and to date we've received 430,000 tips now, how long have you been in existence? The cyber tip line has been in existence since 1998, and the National Center has been in existence since 1984. Wow. Now, you've had this website since how long do you know? 1998. Since 1998, and you've received over 400,000 tips? Yes. And then you coordinate with law enforcement? Yes. You know, whether it's federal or local law enforcement, depending on the amount of information that we receive. Wow. So are you educating law enforcement as well? You know, we do actually go out to law enforcement and educate them, especially about the need for Internet safety education or some of these, you know, depending upon 
the law enforcement agency. Many of them specialize in this, but many of them don't. And so it's talking to them about the statistics to be aware of that, you know, that one in three kids receive exposure to sexually explicit images each year or one in seven, you know, are sexually solicited online. But making them aware that this really is an epidemic, that it's happening to kids all over the world and that they need to be prepared to handle these cases when they come up. Now, do you only deal with kids who are in the United States, or do you deal with um, this? Now we're on the World Wide Web. Yes. So do you get some um, complaints or tips from parents from other countries, or do you work with other countries? Yes. Actually, the National Center now has the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But um, many countries also have you know, uh, organizations like the Cyber Tip Line. So they work in conjunction. If we receive a tip, we give it to them and work with them. If they receive tips, you know, they pass it on to us. So it's, you know, one large organization in reality working together to um, investigate these tips. So do you see, Amber, do you get um, tips or do you get uh, concerns from parents about maybe their kids being stalked by people from other countries? You know, it, because it is a World Wide Web, I don't know if, you know, stalked many, you know, oftentimes there aren't individuals who will fly to meet a child. We had um, a gentleman, it was a story of a young girl who was in this, he was actually, the gentleman lived in the United States and the young girl lived in Britain and they had, you know, been corresponding and he asked if he could come visit her and, you know, he left to go meet this young girl and his daughter found out and immediately called law enforcement and they, you know, were able to get this guy before he left the plane, but that was because his daughter had been his previous victim oh, dear. and had the state of mind to report him. But they are, you know, international, and that's one of the dangers, you know, with the web is they can be anywhere. So, you know, but transmitting child pornography images and things like that can happen worldwide. Wow. Well, we are so grateful for you coming in. We only have a couple minutes left. I'd like you to give those websites again and um, just tell us where we can get the brochures and how we can maybe be in, of help to you. Absolutely. You know, parents and educators and law enforcement can receive information at the netsmarts.org website, and that's N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z.org. And for information for kids, for, for them to play on the Internet and to um, view the games and videos, they can go to netsmartskids.org. If they need to report any tip or any child exploitation reports, they can contact the Cyber Tip Line at cybertipline.com. And if you'd like to request any brochures or any information about the program, you can receive 50 free copies at one by calling 1-800-THE-LOST. You are terrific. Well, we are so grateful for all your time, and we're going to stay in touch with you and keep us informed about all the great work that you're doing out there on the East Coast. And, and uh, we're going to keep our kids safe and our young adults safe, and I think this is going to help all of us because the same tips that you're telling us for kids really applies to all of us. 
So thank you so much for joining us, Amber. Thank you, Mari. Okay, you've been listening to Amber Lindsay, who is the communications coordinator for NetSmart's workshop, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You can find out more at netsmarts.org. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. This is Mari Frank, I'm the host of Privacy Piracy. Please join us every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on KUCI.org. And visit our website to see our previous archived audio uh, audio interviews and our previous and upcoming guests. So go to privacy rights. I mean, sorry. Go to KUCI.org slash privacy piracy and thank you lloyd for being a great engineer good night see you next wednesday the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management or the uc board of regents